Welcome to Explaining Albania with me, Alice Taylor. Now, today's podcast is a bit different from previous ones. It certainly takes on a different format. I recently had the pleasure of interviewing Fatos Lobonia, and what I thought was going to be a one-hour session turned into three and a half hours of fascinating discussion. As a result, instead of trying to squeeze everything we talked about into just one podcast, I've decided to edit it down into three. And today you will hear the first. Now, when I told Fatos I wanted to interview him, I said, I want you to explain Albania to me through your own life experiences. And for those who don't know, Fatos has had quite a life experience in Albania. He was born in 1951. He is known today as an Albanian writer, a journalist, an analyst, and a dissident. He's also known for his very outspoken political opinions, which he tends to levy at all directions of the political spectrum. Now, Fatos was born during the middle of the communist regime, the beginning, but during the midst of it in 1951. He was born into privilege because his father, Todi, was a close associate of dictator Enver Hoxha. He was a member of the Communist Party, They lived in Tirana in a life of, well, pretty much luxury when you considered how many people around them were living at the time. But in the early 70s, Todi was arrested for voicing his opposition towards the regime. Now, at the time, Fatos was studying physics in Tirana. He was also arrested due to the discovery of his diary, which contained a lot of criticism and questioning of both Hoxha and the communist regime. He was initially sentenced to seven years' imprisonment. Um, During his time of imprisonment in the Spatch prison, he was accused of belonging to a pro-Soviet circle and was sentenced to a further 20 years. Now, Spatch was perhaps the most brutal, violent and cruel of all the gulags and prison camps and forced labour camps that were set up during Albania in the communist regime. had a horrific reputation And it was saved, if that's the right word, for people who were considered, you know, the most, the biggest enemies of the state imaginable. Uh, Now, I visited Spach and it really is the most horrific place. It's perched on a precipice above a valley. You can imagine in the winter how cold it was. And people there lived in the most horrendous conditions. Now, he spent 13 years of hard labor working in the mines. And then he was moved into solitary confinement. There, whilst in solitary confinement, he wrote a diary and a novel and cigarette papers, which were then concealed in the spine of a dictionary. His novel, The Last Sentence, is an account of his time in prison and what happened to him under the regime of Hodja. Now, he was released in 1991 and he spent 17 years in prison during which time his physical and mental health suffered immensely. Since, he's become an outspoken critic of the Albanian socio-political scene. He's levied criticism at everyone from Sali Berisha to Eddie Rama, as well as politicians in Kosovo such as Ramush Haradinaj. He's also been vocal about the poet and novelist Ishmael Kadari. Now, Kadari is regarded as one of the sort of prominent voices in Albanian literature, He went into um, voluntary exile towards the end of the communist regime. Um, But the reality of his situation was that he lived a life of immense privilege during communism, while many of his colleagues, other artists and writers were being imprisoned and sentenced to hard labor. 
Today, Fatos is present on many TV shows. He's called in to speak about his experiences and his opinions on the current political situation. Now, my interview with him was beyond fascinating. And I hope I've managed to accurately condense our three and a half hours of conversation into three podcasts. And I hope you enjoy listening to them as much as I did interviewing him. He really is a remarkable man. Um, and I recommend that you read his book, The Last Sentence. You can order it online because it really gives you sort of a deep understanding. Well, not a deep understanding. It, it barely scratches the surface of what it must have been like for people who were sentenced to Spatch and to other forced labor camps during the 50 years of communist dictatorship. Fatos, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, yeah. Your life is a topic that's been published in many books, articles, and countless interviews. And I don't think I could ever hope to understand it all in just one podcast. Um, but what I'm interested in is understanding aspects of Albania's past, present, and future through your life experiences. Like any good story, let's start at the beginning. Uh, perhaps you can tell me some things about the times before communism to do with your family, the social situation and various factors that allowed the Communist Party to form and to take power. I can start, Dori, since the beginning of the 20th century. So my grandfather from my father's side was from Korcha, from a village of Korcha, Lubonia, like my family name is. In the beginning of the century, he was a young, I guess, uh, teen or, or, uh, or 20, less than 20 years old when he first emigrated to Greece as Albanians emigrated generally to work as a, you know, in simple jobs as far as I know, in the Mount Athos. And then he turned back, he bought a house in, in Korcha, but very, very soon he emigrated to America. Mm -hmm. So he emigrated for a long period, more than 10 years, in two times, working in a, in a factory there, uh, close to Boston. Uster, Uster, it's the name of of the place, as far as I remember. And there he was uh, linked with Albanians, other Albanian emigrants there, and even Fannoli, the famous first cleric uh, of Orthodox Church, and then Prime Minister of Albania. He was involved in this movement, which was called Vatra, mm -hmm. which is still in America. And besides his work, my, my grandfather, he learned to play clarinet as well. And uh, they created a band. And to make it short, this band, together with many Vatra patriots, they came back in 1920 in Albania. It was the time of the creation of the state, the Vlora uh, it, war, we call it somehow, when the Italians left Vlora, even with a kind of resistance, and they came to fight for Albania. And all this band turned, returned to Korcha, and they were fanulists, they were called. In this, in this time, Albania had for the first time its parliament, and the, the parliament was divided in two parties, let's say. One was the party of, of King Zog, now mm -hmm. he is the most famous, so who became after king, mm -hmm. and it was mostly a party of landowners, or those who inherited from the Ottoman times, they inherited wealth and land, the richest people. And the base, they called it, called, were called after. 
by the communists. Uh, in spite that Bay means uh, Mister, but but Bay for us was uh, somehow those who were rich. <clears throat> and the other party was the party, let's call it of Fanoli, but it's not that simple. But Fanoli is somehow representing them. Which was a party of the of the new bourgeois created during that period, and and administrators and and people who were not the richest one, and it was a kind of difference between conservatives and liberals, if you you can call mm -hmm. it. And this ended very soon because it was not easy for Albanians to to keep uh, plurality. Mm -hmm. And this ended very soon. It was a uh, first they first communists called it a revolution. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but but it was not a revolution in fact and 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 finally became a prime minister and and Kikzok was uh, kicked out and he went out in Yugoslavia then then the counter-revolution as communists called it but the reactions of the party of King Zok who turned back uh, with the uh, arm and Fanoli and his followers left and King Zok then installed uh, okay. his power. Mm -hmm. So my grandfather at, at that period was in Korcha because it was not a civil war. In fact, it, it was uh, something very small, this kind of fight between the two sides. And so when King Zog uh, in 25, he became prime minister and then he needed to create, well, he started to create some, some a sort of structure state and to create administrator, uh, administration and police and everything, which lasted till 39, as you know, till the Italian occupation. And uh, among others, uh, King Zog wanted to have a national band, a military band, like every state you need a band. But Tirana <laughs> was very, very, very poor in people, somehow was not a capital, it became capital in that period. It was not the biggest city, it was Korcha and, and Škodra, they were the biggest cities. And so he took the band from Korcha and my grandfather came in Tirana as one member of this national band and it was this, this work, <coughs> somehow he maintained his family with this job and this kind of differentiation somehow between the finalists and conservatives made of course king zog was not the best king <laughs> you can imagine <laughs> in albania he ruled with a strong hand and he eliminated some rivals and he he had very soon against most part of the elite intellectual elite and uh, still he was a moderated one in comparison with with what happened after so when i think of why my father became a communist and my uncle became a communist at that period it's one of the reasons maybe is because they were from from it was a social reason because where they were not among the rich ones but of course as you know in this period communism was widespread in europe it was a mm -hmm. promise for a better world, a new world. And so it was a, a kind of, of communist mm -hmm. uh, movement before the war, in fact. There was a trial, even a trial, a group of Skodra uh, in '35 who condemned some communists, among them Kemal Stafa, one of the martyrs mm -hmm. of the communists uh, in '42. But uh, I think that communism became widespread in Albania after the occupation and it was uh, somehow linked with sentiments of liberation anti-italian so the liberation movement they call it a resistance so of course it was even nourished by outside 
in that period there were three three kind of groups um, it was a greek influence italian influence but mostly the, the yugoslav influence of tito has been very important to nourish and to create the communist party of course there were some some communists who were coming uh, from from stalinists who were active at that period they were linked with yugoslavs and the uh, most part of the younger generation those who were in schools sympathized with this movement who promised mm-hmm. a, a new world and in the same time who were ready to fight for the liberation of the of the country father was a christian and my my mother was from a muslim family they were richer than the family of my father very difficult uh, childhood because her father died very early but one of her uncles was somehow in the ministry of of education an important person he had studied in in paris and they were anti-communists she was young and it was this was the difference between them somehow their sons and children became involved in the, in the communist movement and so even my my mother she was very young she was 15 during the war let's say around 15 she was involved in this the communist movement and during the last year she was more active and so in 44 they found themselves the winner the winners of the war the liberators but of course in this period was a big problem which is still inherited that the communists together with the liberation they had in their vision the example of lenin in in 1917 so to make even the revolution to to overthrow the bourgeois power and to install a communist regime so they were it was even a sort of of civil war during that period so they eliminated uh, the nationalists as they call themselves the balist in albania um, uh, and some of them left the country and after 44 45 they they uh, were the most the most important exponents of uh, were put in trial and so it was uh, they installed uh, this regime first linked with the yugoslavs and then after with with soviet union and this is important to say that if uh, this regime survives it was due to this support because albania was a very fragile it was just a state already created by some 10 15 years of tradition of king zog and then the war and then the communist without the support of yugoslavs first and soviet union next couldn't uh, survive as a state and this is an heritage that we still we depend a lot uh, on on foreign power somehow so we're at the stage where communism has just been formed in albania and i mean you're saying it was formed because people had been through a period of such turmoil you know difference in regime the ottomans had left changes in rulers in ideologies and then these very sort of pro albanian young came along and said right we've kicked out the italians you know we're going to rule albania and i can imagine that your average person thought wow this is great you know this is what we've always wanted we're going to have a strong albanian state this is you know this is what the country needs you they had the support of outside forces etc but obviously this wasn't quite how things went is it yeah of course yeah for instance since you asked me to 
tell Albania through my own story. I can tell you of my mother's brother, one of the brothers of my mother, mm-hmm. who was elder than my mother. He was not involved in the partisan mm-hmm. war. He aspired to be, to be an actor. He studied in Italy, first in Romania, then in Italy during Kikzok's time. And so he wanted to become an actor. And in the beginning, he was in love with the Italian. He came in Albania in, in 42 or 41 or 42 during the war with this Italian. She was uh, speaking in the radio at the time. She was, And then he tried to be involved in this nationalist patriotic movement. And he somehow was the, the director of a play Wilhelm Tell, you know, with this patriotic, uh, patriotic content. Of, uh, but see, he was on, on, not on the side of the communists because more, more, he was elder and maybe more in the influence of the uncles. And mm-hmm. of, so he was not involved. And in '43, he left Albania together with a group of young Albanians. And my uncle, I mentioned before, he helped them to go to Austria for studies. Mm-hmm. And then from, st- from Austria, they left after the war, they left for Italy. And then he remained uh, for a short time in Italy. And then he left to Canada and the United States. Mm-hmm. And my mother was uh, asking him, come here, come here, because now we are building socialism, mm-hmm. you know. But he knew that somehow he had some information that what was going mm-hmm. on, because some of his friends were arrested mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe put in jail, and somehow friends, elder friends who were not communists, mm-hmm. you know, because it started the terror. And my uncle, he never, never came. And he somehow, even the contacts with my mother, they, they stopped the contacts because it became more and more dangerous. And this, it starts even the drama. My parents, if I could mm-hmm. say, because in one side, they, they, they were involved as young uh, idealists in this war, in this party. Of course, my father had his ambitions. He became even a member of a central committee. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's complex to explain. Explain what was their life, how they believed in their ideals, and when they were disappointed. But after being disappointed, it was not easy to came to go mm-hmm. out of this because you could lose everything, even your life maybe. And it started somehow a double life. Mm-hmm. So my mother, she was forced not to write more letters to her brother for instance and she loved a lot him but this was mixed even with hope that this is a transition now that that then we will become better of course it was the 50s were the years uh, when albania had relations with soviet union soviet union was idealized but still for albanians you have to consider that in 39 according to a sense 90 percent of albanians were illiterate Mm -hmm. so it was a large population very uh, ignorant and uh, very very easily manipulated but in the same time you could have now for many of them it was the possibility to go to to soviet union to study there to follow studies even my mother went one or two years and uh, it was a time of hopes Mm -hmm. Uh, it mixed with this terror but terror was put aside they didn't want to see the terror since it was not close to your to your family somehow you were born when communism was already established so you grew up in a in a communist state i guess i want to understand was there a point where you suddenly went ah 
okay, this is not right. What I'm being indoctrinated with yeah. is wrong. Where, when, was, when did the switch change for you? But I was born in 51. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> when they did put me the name Fatos, it was a, a problem because this name was a name that my grandmother was telling, this is not, this is a Muslim name. This is not a Christian name because, mm -hmm. you know, as I told you, they were, they were of two mm -hmm. religions and my grandmothers, they were, they were religious mm -hmm. still. The son is born with a name. So my name should have been something like Christos, <laughs> you know, Christos, the Orthodox. Yes. Because uh, I was born in April 27th, mm -hmm. as far as my mother told me. Uh, but then they had to convince her that it was not a, a Muslim name, it was an Albanian name. And of course, after my mother has written a book and she's telling the stories, and after when they come, they came to, to register, to make a registration, they had to even to declare the religion. Of, or not. And my father, I was two years old, old in that period, I guess. I don't know exactly the time, but I remember my mother saying that. So my father was an atheist. They were atheists, you know, as communists, and they were convinced atheists. And so said, uh, you are atheist. And the son, atheist. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my grandmother was saying, please do whatever you want with yourself, but not <laughs> with the son. <laughs> So just to tell you some details about, of course, I was born and I, I, I grew up uh, like all other Albanians through these stages of education, ideological education, if, because like in Italy as well, like the fashion, it was, uh, you had to become first a, a Fatos, Fatos is on my name, but Fatos was for the small, small uh, children. Uh, till the elementary mm -hmm. school it was a, you, I, you, and then you had to become a pioneer mm -hmm. before the youth mm -hmm. the organization of pioneer uh, you had tied and you became a pioneer was another step and then the next step was to become a part of the youth organization for mm -hmm. all except for the family of of the of those who were considered the yes. enemies and who were in deportation maybe in this period or or even if not in deportation so this was of course links with all the propaganda mm -hmm. of the myths of of power of the communists there were several myths important myths one of the main was the national liberation war so these people who are now guiding the country has have liberated from the occupation nazi uh, italian nazi occupation these are the heroes and uh, we have had to adore them and to respect them and of course these are in the same time those who will lead the lead the country towards happy future etc etc all the the communist uh, propaganda was based in two, in these two important myths mm -hmm. somehow, past, especially partisan war and, and literature was based on, on them. Mm -hmm. So most part of the writers had to write about war, the partisan war, the heroism of, of, of communists, especially, and of course, to put in a black 
side, the, the traitors, the ballists, the nationalists, and the occupators. And then, the, and then the building of socialism. It was another theme and the sacrifice to build socialism in the name of the future of Albania. Mm -hmm. And somehow I was grown up with, the, with this myth and I was grown up even with myth of the working class as the uh, superior mm -hmm. class somehow because they presented themselves as the representatives of the working class according to the Marxist mm -hmm. theory somehow. Problem is that when I was young, I mean, I was, this was the only contact, but in the same time, you start thinking, you start feeling, you start having your own experiences mm -hmm. somehow. And what the ideology was trying to make was not, not to let you think with your own mind, but just to, 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 to give you a, a way of looking to the world and think like the ideology and the propaganda was saying according to that. For me, it was important because I, to, to know, start to understand the reality, partly because, uh, especially my, after the break with Soviet Union in the mm -hmm. 60s, when Enver Hoxha broke with Soviet Union and started to create the friendship with mm -hmm. China, and so he condemned Stalinism, he condemned them uh, as anti-Stalinist, uh, Khrushchev and, and all. So I had the feeling, uh, it was very small, but I had the feeling in my family that uh, they, 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 they were disappointed, not because of the break, but they, it was understood from them that this is a matter of power, this is not a matter mm -hmm. of ideal. Because I remember when I was a child, still I remember my father speaking for the ideals of the past, yes. you know. But this word was forgotten. So I don't remember it more more during the 60s and mm -hmm. after, you know. And it became more and more clear for him and for my mother and that this was a, it was a wrong direction, mm -hmm. let's say. And they had made uh, mistakes. But still, this was combined with the way of living, that you couldn't say these things. And this, especially in these years, so I remember my father being somehow and reading and uh, expressing critics. This was part of my becoming more clear. And then my readings, uh, I start reading. And of course, contacts with other friends. Of course, in the schools, we had a different kind of people. And especially for me, it was very, very important when I was 16, 17, I was sent for re-education because I made, a, together with my friends, I, we made some, uh, for re-education among the working mm -hmm. class, I was sent latch. Mm -hmm. It was a super phosphate factory who produced chemicals for, for fertilizers. Mm -hmm. And I was there among the working class, the real working mm -hmm. class. And for me, it has been a shock to know the real reality because I was living till that period in Tirana, in a villa. My father had a servant mm -hmm. and so it was a privileged boy. It was a shock to see the real working class. They were not the heroes because in my in my perception, I was a very weak person. I was someone fragile and I had a lot of, a lot of defects mm -hmm. in comparison with the ideal. I was feeling that I, I was egoist, for instance, said somehow. And this was condemned by the ideology because you have to sacrifice for the others. And, and this feeling of, of egoism was 
something that that I I, I couldn't understand. So I'm a bad person, mm-hmm. no. But when I saw this working class, they were trembling <laughs> when it was a remuneration for some money, and they were so poor. So I was disappointed, and I start writing, keeping my diary that in that period, and and expressing all what I was seeing mm-hmm. there. Of course, this was combined with readings, uh, speaking of egoism, um, how I remember in my readings I found somewhere in France. So I started reading French because my, 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 my father taught me French. And so I started. And I found a writer saying somewhere that he was evaluating a bit egoism tempered by the good education. Mm-hmm. He considered it a value. And I thought, oh my God, that this is not so <laughs> so when you start reading somehow you start better understanding even yourself mm-hmm. you know all aspects of your of yourself i remember when i read and so through books and readings and tolstoy dostoevsky at that period they were important writers and to be read and, and shakespeare and other writers sartre camus existentialism and this has been important to change course or another important book I read in that, peri- in that period who changed my philosophy of life because, you know, we were educated in the Marxist-Leninist ideology. It was a time when I started reading even Nietzsche. We are not determined, mm-hmm. let's say, this is very important, that the future belong, uh, depends on us, on our will, on what we do. And so somehow I changed my view of the world but of course it was not not easy to express these things to write in my diaries about these things and it was a time when i started even writing a book mm-hmm. part by these french novelists of that period they were anti-novel and of course i remember once when a friend of mine when i was in just the first years of university or maybe when we finished the high school i remember a friend of mine whose father was a writer as well but he has he had been a communist and he participated in the Spanish war, Petro Marco, it's his name. But then he was put in jail and he had a difficult time in Albania. He remained somehow having this double life, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. But still, his son was a friend, close friend of mine. And uh, we knew that we start knowing the reality, as I said. And once he told me, say, here, Fathos, there is a trial there and let's, let's go and... and and here, because there is a guy, young guy, who has been accused for agitation and propaganda, it was an accusation that he has said that bad, so the quality of bread here in Albania is for parks, it's not for humans, and something like that. And now he has been sentenced seven years for these things, and let's go and see, because it was the time of the verdict. Mm-hmm. So we, I went with my friend there, and I found this young guy surrounded with police waiting for the judge to come to give the, the verdict. And then they came and fortunately, I could say they gave him only three years. And for me, it was terrible three years for these sayings. Mm-hmm. But still, uh, in comparison of what happened after with me and uh, and. Uh, and others, and my family, etc., etc. So through educating yourself and through reading and sort of questioning internally, you started to change your perspective. Now, you were imprisoned, weren't you, for over 20 years, is that correct? 17. When you consider that you spent 
your time in prison in such place in such conditions for so long for so little reason do you ever think that there is a way of having justice for what happened to you to other people yes there is a way of having justice but not as generally people may expect mm. by condemning the perpetrators because mm -hmm. it's difficult to find the perpetrators what i ask and what i want is to make justice in our mind in our consciousness of what happened mm -hmm. and about the responsibilities that everyone has for what happened mm -hmm. so if everyone will think and make this kind of justice accuse with his mind the real perpetrators and and condemn them in his mind and of course considered even himself as part of because it's very complicated the history responsible in a way or in another way for what happened uh, this could have been uh, uh, very important but it's not uh, happening unfortunately mm -hmm. uh, because otherwise it's very difficult to have justice in the sense of uh, what you said because of the complexity and and possibility to make mm -hmm. let's if you want i can give you an example through my own life mm -hmm. as you like mm -hmm. to have Please. and i have written a book the second mm -hmm. sentence there it's a terrible thing has happened and if you want to understand albania uh, the, let's uh, tell you that so the story of my book is my second sentence which happened in 78 mm -hmm. and it's linked to the story of two friends of mine journalists Fadil Kokomani Vangelejo who had been condemned for the first time in 62-63 because they were against the break with Soviet, Soviet Union because they were anti-Stalinist and somehow and they had studied in Soviet Union at that period and they were caught because they tried to escape one of them was married with a, a Russian mm -hmm. woman and he had a daughter as well so he, they tried to escape from Albania they were caught together with some other people it was a terrible trial two of them were executed and Fadil and Vangel were sentenced 25 years. I met them in Spach mm -hmm. in the 70s when they had already done 16, 15, 16 years of prison. And in 78, 79, uh, they sent a letter to the Central Committee against Enver Hoxha. Mm -hmm. It was a severe letter against Enver Hoxha. It was a time when Albania was going to break or was breaking with China as well. And by that it was a severe letter, it was a letter from prison. Mm -hmm. They wanted to condemn them. They had, but they were not content. When I say they, this is a the problem. They were not content to condemn them for agitation and propaganda other 10 years, like they did usually in these cases mm -hmm. when some prisoners... But since they were uh, somehow hated enemies because of their past, you know, the mm -hmm. 62, 63, etc., they decided to, to condemn them by death sentence, so to execute mm -hmm. them. And to understand Albania better, I can tell you in the same years, <laughs> um, I mean in 77, Václav Havel created the chart 77, which was a real <laughs> political somehow movement against uh, the mm -hmm. regime in Czechoslovakia and he was condemned only two years 
to make a difference from uh, Stalinist Albania and revisionist, as we called it, Czechoslovakia at that period. And this needs to, to go deeper to, to, to explain why Albania mm. was so, 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 so the regime was so cruel.